Hi friends, and what's good y'all? Schwebzy here flying solo once again as Jordan is unfortunately still out. I know I said over and over again that he would be back, but uh, you, you know how it can be. Sometimes things happen and life gets in the way. Jordan is actually recovering from what I understand is a pretty serious procedure. I think he, he said something, it was, it was just three letters. I think he said it was a BBL. I think I have that right. Oh God. Sore. Hey, Schwebzy, oh, what's up? Oh, hey, Jordan. Hey, Hi. man. How's it going? Good. I wasn't talking about you. Yeah, what's up? What's, what, are you, what are you doing? Hey, nothing. Nothing. I was waiting for you to, so that we could start recording together so that you could start. Wait, are you recording right now? No, no. Oh, okay. Here, let me just quick uh, click on mine. This bit doesn't work because I'm obviously recording. Anyways, <laughs> uh, hi everyone, it's me. I'm back. I am alive, against all odds. Uh, to my enemies, sorry, I'm still here. Uh, Shrubzy, how, how how are you doing, buddy? Better now that you're back. Oh, that's that's uh, really. I I know that I know that's only fluff because we're because we're recording right now. But I appreciate that. Um, it was yeah. going so well. It really was until it wasn't. You know. That's just how it is, though. That's life. Uh, Shubzy, we haven't recorded an episode together, I think, since, what'd you say before we started recording? Since, like, July? July. July 15th. Good God. Wow. Anyways, that's pretty crazy. Uh, what have you been up to since, well, since I've been gone? Uh, how, have you, how have you, how, my, my question is, how have you gone on living without me? I mean, I, you know, I got married, had some kids. Uh, you know, life, life, I couldn't just wait for you. Life goes on. Um, no, I, I, I'm getting settled into my house, which is never not weird to say or think about. I'm trying to set up my man cave, which I'm currently recording in to like accurately convey what a man child I am because I want my guests to, to arrive here and know at a glance that I like baseball and video games. And that is my entire personality. Is that why you have a mobile with like a baseball and a master chief helmet floating around above it to help you fall asleep at night? You absolute baby. Yeah. Literally every other night I fall asleep in the recliner that's in here. Oh, do you really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, wife. Um, but yeah, uh, it's... That's what he has to say so he doesn't have to sleep in the recliner anymore. <laughs> I, I, I need it to be a choice and not a, not a mandate. <laughs> well, this is, that's what this is. This is a mandate. You and I hanging out together is a mandate. Ah. Ah, nailed it. Anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I've mostly just been, like, sleeping a whole bunch, recovering from my surgery that uh, I think Shubzy was probably telling you all about. That was supposed to be between us, but whatever. Um, uh, I would never. You would. You, you would ever. You absolutely would ever. Um, Shubzy, now that we're, like, kind of back into the swing of things, what's going to be the schedule for us moving forward, just so our listeners know? Well, shockingly, we are planning ahead. Shockingly for me, anyway. <laughs> Doesn't sound like us. That's at all. Really, no. But what we've got in store for you for the off season is uh, we're going to be recording every other week. So uh, it's going to be the 5th and the 19th, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know what comes two weeks after the 19th. Um, so there's going to be uh, seven episodes like that. And we're going to be trying to make them uh, you know, as, as fun as off-season episodes can be. We're going to do some special one-off episodes. We're going to have some fun guests both new and returning hint 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 mm. because we've only had like three or four guests ever so that's a short list to choose from uh and that will uh culminate in the last episode of the off season 
which, if we stick to our schedule, which is always iffy, will be a very special episode 69 with the specialist guest of them all. We'll leave that up to you to decide who that guest is. Uh, but very excited for our off-season schedule. Also, if there's like any reason that you would maybe think that there's someone that wants to join us on the show, we are open to suggestions, whether it's during the preseason or during the season. Maybe we can bring someone on for a guest appearance and things like that. So if there's anyone that you want to see on the show, feel free to tweet at either of us. Uh, since it's been a while since we've thrown to the socials, I'll do that real quick for us, too. So you can find Schwebzy at Schwebzy, that's S-H-W-E-B-S-I, and then myself at Bunsingles. Or you can contact both of us at our shared Twitter account. That's going to be at in the deep PL. Um, but yeah, Shwebzy, you speaking of guests, you are going to guest and just guested on a couple other Pitcherless podcasts. So do you want to talk about those real quick? Yeah, I did an episode of On the Wire with Adam Howe and Kevin Hastings recently, where we, uh, we, we talked a lot about, uh, we, it, it was, it was a, oh, what did they call it? They called it variance, where we took a lot of interesting players from this past year and decided who would be the copy of that player this year. Like who would be this year's Michael Harris? Who would be this year's Spencer Strider? And that was a lot of fun because those are impossible guesses to make because there were impossible players. But it was it was a lot of fun, a lot of good discussion uh, in typical pitcherless fashion. We went very long. And coming up, I'll actually uh, I'll be recording this on uh, Monday or Tuesday. I'll be doing uh, an episode of On the Corner with our our favorite misnamed person, uh, Nicholas Professor Pollock. Uh, and we'll be talking about a mock draft that the PitcherList staff did recently, and we'll actually be talking about that same draft uh, a little bit later on today. Yes, we are. Uh, I'm excited to hear that episode, because I, I get to actually hear your thought process behind all the other picks. We're obviously, because we're a Deep League podcast, only going to talk about like, the last seven rounds, something like that. Uh, everything post, like, pick 250, I think, is what we were aiming yeah, for, or I post pick 200? 200. There's yeah, only so there many picks go. in these standard league drafts. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> It's casuals. not really, no, yeah, not really our bag, you know. Not really our thing. We're, we're not casuals, you know, it's fine. Uh, but yeah, so I guess like it is, it's a weird timing to release our first episode back, right? Because the World Series is still happening. Um, but there are things that have been on our minds, I would say, recently in terms of just like baseball stuff, in terms of like the fantasy season for 2023 moving forward. Uh, Shubs, you had a really good tweet kind of pointing one of the things out that might be worth keeping an eye on as far as like developing strategies moving into next year, especially for deeper leagues. Uh, do you want to kind of give folks an idea what that was? Yeah. So this was, uh, if, if it's something you want to look up, this was, uh, we'll, we'll uh, I, I think I, we actually, I retweeted this from the uh, podcast account. So you should be able to find it. If you look, uh, this is from October 12th. I tweeted out that we, I was looking at some league wide trends like entire season trends. Mm -hmm. And it got me thinking because we saw a huge drop in home runs from 2021 to 2022. And that makes sense because we're like all, all I feel like all we hear about is how the league, like the, the, the executives of the league want to see more balls in play and they want a more exciting game because home runs aren't exciting. Right. But yeah, so we saw a huge drop in home runs, and that can seems say, intentional. Can you, say, can, you, can you say that again? Nope. Nope. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to gloss over that one. So focusing on the 2013 to the present time frame, because that's when Rob Manfred took over, I looked at every 
season where home runs like dropped precipitously and every following year every year after a major drop there was an even bigger jump so like what we have to ask ourselves based on that is is the league gonna mess with the ball again are we going to see a jump or do we think the league is happy like do do is is this working as intended because scoring was down and I don't actually think that's what they want. They, I, they like they want runs scored. They just want it to happen the way they want it to, not the way the 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 evil analytics people want it to happen. And uh, an interesting thing, uh, uh, I'm name dropping here. Uh, Trevor May of the Mets responded to that tweet and said that you know, it, it, like that our my head was in the right place with saying like this is what the league wants. So. I mean, I I'm I gotta say I don't think I'm expecting a that bounce back in home runs that we've seen previously after big drops. I think this might be the new norm. But the reason this is all important is because if guys like Jorge Polanco are hitting 35 home runs, if guys like Marcus Semyon are hitting 45 home runs, that like really changes how you have to draft. Like it changes what kind of premium you have to put on power. And like I, I think. Like I, I think uh, it was only a year ago. We we were coming off of the season in 2021. Twelve guys hit 38 home runs or more. You know how many did that in 2022? Four. That's a big drop in in premium power. Yeah. Now stolen bases went up, and that is continuing a trend. And we're expecting stolen bases to go up even more due to rule changes. The shift is going away. The bases are getting bigger, which in theory means more base hits and a better stolen base rate, or maybe just more stolen base attempts as as people get more confident. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going back to the days of 60 or 70 stolen base threats. I don't think we're going to get any like Tony Womacks or Jose Reyes's anymore. Ricky Henderson types. Yeah, yeah, even further back. But I I do think that we're going to see a lot more guys steal like double digits and 15 plus. Like these changes around the margins, like the ball flying five feet further or the base getting a couple of inches larger, I I think and, you know, feel feel free to to refute this. I think this is that's those are the kind of changes that impact like the marginal talents more than it does the elite talents. Like. Again, like like Jorge Polanco going from, you know, a 20 home run guy to a 35 home run guy. Yeah. So we've already seen like from 2021 to 2022, we went from 26 guys stealing. Uh, oh, God, I, I didn't write this number down well. Uh, I think this is 15 stolen bases. We We went from. 26 guys hitting 15 stolen bases in 2021 to 39 guys stealing 15 bags in 2022. 84 players stolen double digits in 2022 compared to 75 in 2021. So we're seeing like a, a good number of, of stolen base threats emerge or just, you know, be a little bit better than they used to be. And I think that's what we're going to keep on seeing. I think we're going to see more like like more eight stolen base guys become 12 stolen base guys that kind of thing 
even if the and if the home runs don't come down sorry don't go back up then that power is going to be at a premium but the stolen bases are going to be more prominent and i i think that's kind of how i'm going to be looking at the 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 whole landscape in this draft season i'm gonna i'm probably not going to chase stolen bases but i will be paying up paying big for power that's something that i noticed actually on my some of my own teams is i I, I felt like I didn't really necessarily chase stolen bases last year completely because I felt like I was able to accrue enough guys who were able to get me like eight to 10 or like up to like 15 stolen bases and things like that. And just due to that, I feel like I finished fairly well in stolen bases in most of my leagues that cared about that stat. Um, I do think that the bigger bases are just going to benefit people in general and are going to make people more aggressive on the base pads. And I think it will lead to more stolen bases, not even just more stolen base attempts. As far as it helping the mid-range folks more than it will like the top tier folks, I think it's going to just be more of like a rising tide raises all ships sort of thing. I think it's going to help everyone pretty equally. Um, but yeah, aggression on the base pads is definitely going to, I think, increase in the coming year. And I think we're going to see guys... I. I I really do think that next year we'll see someone steal 50 plus bags. Who's going to be? Oh man, that's really, really hard. I would say someone like, like an Acuna. I think Acuna could do it if he stays healthy. I think there might be concerns to a certain extent. About John, John Del- run that much. John Delberti, uh, Mondesi. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think. Probably someone like I mean I think like Bobby Wood Jr. could steal fifty bags. Still, Ooh, that's aggressive. He stole thirty this year, didn't he? I think so. Something like that. I think that there's a reasonable expectation that he could probably steal that many. I think I think anyone that has like top like ninety fifth percentile speed, uh, if they're also a good base runner, has the opportunity to steal thirty plus this year. And I think Boldly. I think I think there will be someone that steals fifty though. Um, I just, I, do I know who? I don't think so, but I feel like the rule changes are going to encourage that type of uh, base stealing behavior and someone's going to hit it. I'm boldly predicting that Brandon Nimmo steals five bases next year. Five. Is that, are you writing that down in the notes for our bold predictions episode? <laughs> no. <laughs> Is that going to be a board bet that we always do a super good job of keeping track of? He's got like 90th percentile sprint speed and he has topped five stolen bases exactly once in his career. He's just not a guy. The only time he gets a good jump is after a walk out of the batter's box. That's pretty much it. Runs like a baby giraffe. A fast baby giraffe, but a, a, a baby giraffe nonetheless. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, I don't... I'm trying to think like what else we were kind of thinking about. What else is something that we were thinking about uh, in terms of things that were on our minds? It was... Um, I mean, we're, we're gawking at the uh, some of the early ADP things that we've been seeing. Yes. That's what Although, it was. The looking at ADP at this time of year is weird because it's again, incredibly you know, weird. It's it's early November. Yes. The only drafts that are going on really are draft champions, like like draft and hold kind of leagues in NFC, yeah. and these are are uh, uh, supposedly like uh, I I say supposedly like they're not, but uh, ostensibly these are the sharp players. These are the guys that you know know fantasy baseball inside and out. And are are you know onto the trends before their trends, so like maybe these early ADP numbers aren't going to reflect what the actual draft landscape is like in three or four months. But yeah, the, there there are some early numbers that are really eye opening. 
know, there's so much that can change. Obviously, we have a lot of free agency ahead of us, too. That's going to affect the stock of certain players. Um, some weird ones that Schwabzi and I, a couple, just two that we kind of like looked at and we're kind of like tilting our heads at. Uh, for me, one of them was Trevor Story going at 67 overall. Um, that one kind of made me shake my head a little bit. Um, not because I don't think the counting stats are necessarily going to be there. I think if he stays healthy for the full season, he would be fine. But his average took a huge shot. And that's concerning to me. Obviously, the move to Fenway from Coors is going to hurt him a lot in that regard. But um, the counting stats were still there. And he did only get like about 400 play. I think he had like 396 plate appearances or something like that. Um, I do worry about some of the counting stats in terms of like runs and RBIs. Um, and also, yeah, the average is a huge concern for me. And I think that 67, he might be a little bit too expensive for me. And I think I could probably find just as good, if not better value waiting a couple rounds on a shortstop. Um, yeah, I don't know. The one that's blowing my mind is Corbin Carroll at number 61. Yeah. Or so, so he's ranked 61st but with an ADP of 64. Um I actually uh when I was I was talking to Adam Howe about this pick when we were doing on the wire and he told me that I should be thinking of Corbin Carroll as this year's Bobby Witt basically. And it makes sense in that light. It just I I think this is just showing what kind of drafter I am and what kind of like the the risk averse player that I am. You will never, I'm never going to be first on the bandwagon for a player like that. Not when, like, the players around Corbin Carroll are like, actually, actually, this is is an awkward range because it's basically all pitchers and then, like, Starling Marte, who's trending downwards, uh, Adelise Garcia, who is maybe amazing. Volatile, I think, would be the best way to describe him. He's he's a he's a player that I struggle with, but Trevor Story is right around there. Mm-hmm. Adley, Dansby, who, Dansby like, is. I mean, I would not take Dansby. Yeah, so it's it's an interesting range. Like I actually think uh, if if I'm drafting and we're we're in the uh, sixth round, I'm just taking a pitcher. Like I, I I can't see myself taking any of these hitters at this range. Maybe that's why uh, Corbin Carroll is up here because people look at the other hitters that they could be taking and say why not take a shot at the guy who could be a first or second rounder next year but yeah could w- could not be me yeah i don't to reiterate on story too just real quick i think for me it's like he he does have second base and shortstop eligibility uh at least on nfbc which is really important to note obviously that's great to have but i think i would rather just wait for someone like tommy edmund who's going on average like 15 picks later 16 picks later Dude, Corey Seager is going at 76. Imagine taking Trevor Story before Corey Seager. Like, why? Oh, wow, I didn't even realize it's that. Just just for the speed, I guess? The, the possible I think speed? I think Seager's average took a pretty... No, it's, it's 245, which is not, like, superb by and, any means, but it's... That was after an abysmal Babbitt in the first half. It's true. It is very he had true. A two, he had a 242 Babbitt on the year when he's got a career 317. Like, come on. Oh god, yeah, wow. Um, yeah, I just feel like there's better options out there. I don't know. It, it's weird at this point, and obviously this is super 
depending on how you're drafting, it's like super like team contextual as well. And because there's only 12 total drafts that have happened on NFBC, again, this is like all the people who are like, I'd say, quote unquote, like, if I'm, if I'm being honest, degenerates <laughs> who are doing it this early. Like, I respect it. Don't get me wrong. I'm def- I, I definitely respect it. But at the same time, this is so early and I would be so gun shy in drafting at this point in time. Yeah, but let, let me be clear. I love every one of you because you're the only people out there that the 12, what is it? 12 times 15, the like, like you guys, like you're the only people giving us anything to talk about. So thank you. You're the only reason we have ADP right now. Thank you for letting us farm content off of you. We appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's, there's, there's some iffy, and I think it's obviously this is all going to change. I got to ask you a question, Chubsy. I know this isn't necessarily our territory, but are you, are you surprised that Fernando Tatis Jr. is going like 30th overall right now? I refuse to talk about Fernando Tatis after I took him first overall in TGFBI last year and got literally zero statistics out of him. Ooh. Yeah, that's uh, no, I he is probably still the game for game best player in baseball, like for, as far as fantasy goes. For sure. Um. So. The, these are these are leagues where upside is king. You can you can tell by looking at this this ADP. So many of the picks that we're scratching our heads over are guys who can outperform their draft spot by four or five rounds. Like the the reason Corbin Carroll's being drafted sixty is because he could be a second third rounder next year. Same thing for uh, Trevor Story. If Trevor Story does what he did just two years ago, he'd be a, a you know a, a third rounder again. The uh, uh, upside is king in this sort of leagues. Playing it safe does not win you leagues like this. And that's one of the things that we have to keep in mind when we're looking at these ADPs. True. Uh, so one of the things that kind of like poked out to me as well is I was just like kind of poking through pitchers here. And I saw that uh, George Kirby is actually going before Logan Gilbert in most drafts. And I actually thought it might be the other way around just before even taking a peek at any ADPs. Um, what is your preference between these two pitchers? I'm personally more of a Kirby fan myself. I think that like the super duper low walk rate is really great. He commands both of his fastballs super well. He kind of lacks a secondary pitch that's really dominant, which is concerning. But at the same time, he just, just doesn't give up free passes. So he limits the damage that way. Um, do you have a preference between these two? Today, I like Gilbert more. Tomorrow, I might like Kirby more. Um, the, uh, but the reason I do like Gilbert more at the moment is because he was the one that seemed to be developing a breaking pitch the most at the end of the season. And both of these guys have that really strong base of an elite fastball. Yes. So Kirby has better control, but uh, Gilbert, they, they both do have elite fastballs. And the thing standing between either of them and true acehood is... Uh, probably an elite breaking ball or, you know, two quality uh, off-speed thing offerings. Uh, and I think Gilbert's probably closer to that at the moment. I can do that. There's a lot of really interesting pitchers around this area of the draft, like right around like 100 to like 110, 120. Um, it's very curious to me. Like I see like, uh, let's see here. Uh, so Logan Gilbert and then like right past Logan Gilbert, like they're basically getting taken at the exact same point in draft so far. Hunter Green. Like between Logan Gilbert and Hunter Green, who would you more, be more interested in taking? 
I think that's an interesting one. Mm, that is an interesting one. Oh, probably uh, like that. I I think that's upside versus certainty. Like if I if I yeah. wanted the upside pick, I would go green. It, it it might depend on who my first or second pitcher, or if I had a pitcher at all at that point in the draft. Um, True. like if I had two pitchers I trusted, I'd probably go green. If, if and if I uh, you know, if I wanted to swing for the moon, but uh, if I if I needed some certainty, I'd probably go Gilbert there because that home run problem for Green is probably not going away immediately. It's yeah, still it, it's it's an electric but super straight, super hittable fastball. Yes, and I I don't know what'll make that change. Nor do I, and like there's there's gonna be so much for us to break down and like nitpick about once spring trading comes around to see if there happen any like changes implemented in terms of like approach or working on new pitches or anything like that or adjusting like how you deploy your repertoire or things like that. It's going to be so interesting to actually break all that stuff down and see how folks have grown over the off season. Pitching is deep in general this year, I think. Yes. Yeah, I think we have a pretty good stable of folks that we can go to and look at. I mean, I look at some of the people that are further down this list that last year were much, much, much higher. Um, for some reason, I don't remember Charlie Morton being at like 175. If I had to look last year, I would say he was probably closer to like 120. Yeah. I mean, that, like may, that makes sense given his age and production this yeah. year. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Trevor Rogers is someone that we'll probably talk about with you. Definitely. Um, yep. Because you did take him in Spoiler the, uh, alert. In the, in the mock. We'll talk about that in a little bit, obviously. Um, yeah, there's lots of interesting names down here that we can talk about. But, um, yeah, there's just some of the stuff that kind of popped out to us initially looking at ADP uh, from NFBC drafts, things like that. So I think it was important to point that stuff out, uh, get a good idea of where we're at. Um, Fubsy, how about we take a real quick ad break and we can come back and talk about your mock draft? I don't want to. We keep going. Or wait, are you saying that you don't want to go to break or that you don't want to talk about your mock draft? I was didn't want to go to an ad break, but I guess we have to. Okay, fine. We'll be right back after this. All right, we're back. So, Shabzi, let's take some time here. Uh, you did a mock draft with some fellow pitcherless staffers. You're going to be talking about your full draft at length with Nick this coming week. The episode should be out at some point in the offseason. I don't know if the release schedule is necessarily going to be super above, soon after yeah it's above your pay grade we know yeah, this yeah. um but let's take some time to talk about your post 200 picks so this is going to be around 17 through 23 the back end of this draft uh you had the first pick in the draft uh just out of curiosity who did you take with your first pick i went jram i don't hate that it's it's an interesting uh landscape up at the top of the draft this year because like and I I think the reason I went J Ram is because of the certainty there, and like yeah I will mm. I will be discussing this with Nick, but I I think the two safest picks at number one are J Ram and Trey Turner, and Trey Turner has the uncertainty of we don't know where he's going to go this off season. Like if if Trey Turner, you know, pulls like a Javi Baez and winds up with a terrible team like Detroit, sorry Detroit, uh, it's you know it's gonna hurt his fantasy value, it's gonna hurt his counting stats. So, so, yeah, I don't want to take him number one, not knowing where he's going to be. That's fair. Um, and a, a couple of the guys that you would normally consider for number one, like Acuna Jr., uh, Soto, Tatis, have, uh, you know, either 
questions about last year or extenuating circumstances like Fernando Tatis. And then there's Aaron Judge, who's been worth a first-round pick in, what, like two of his six or seven years in the league? Like, it's, there's, there's a lot of, lot of question marks. So I, I went for uh, the certainty in J-Ram over the upside of, like, a, a Julio Rodriguez or, or an Acuna. Yeah, I feel like you have to pretty much walk in with this. Like, at least right now, obviously, it's going to be... You're, you're kind of going cookie-cutter with a lot of, like, your starts to your drafts, and you're going to take people who are pretty sure things for the most part, um, which is why I think it was fine for you to take Jose Ramirez when you did. That makes sense to me. Um, I think, gosh, I, I almost wonder, I really do wonder if Julio is worth a number one overall pick. Why, why wouldn't he be? Why wouldn't he be worth the number one overall? Yeah. I mean, I, I think he might be. That's the thing. Just like the full profile that he has, I think, I think he would be a fine pick as well. I think that I like slightly more taking Ramirez because I feel like once you get past like the first like three, maybe four third baseman, it's a pretty big drop off. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess maybe five. Cause I'm trying to think like what, like Ramirez, uh, Machado, I would probably put as second best. Then it would be like Devers, Riley, Arenado. Yeah, that's that's, that's that's like the five that I would think would go together. Yeah, so five. Um, but I think Jose is pretty clearly the best one out of that group. Although I don't know, it's it's really hard. I can't say for certain, but yeah, I think that Julio might be worth the first overall pick in a draft. And what one of the things about Ramirez that I like so much is that he is environment proof. That's true. I don't think there is a thing that Major League Baseball can do to the rules, to the ball, that will make him less valuable. A dead in baseball hurts Trey Turner pretty significantly. A dead in baseball doesn't hurt Jose Ramirez. Yeah, he's, he's definitely uh, someone who's affected less by that, I think. Um, I, I think Julio Rodriguez is going to fall into that uh, rule-proof category, too. Do you think anyone else that's like in our like so I'm looking at the first round of this draft. Do you think anyone else in that first round of the draft is super affected by a dead and ball? Um maybe maybe like a, a Bichette. Do you think Kyle Tucker would be? First from like I don't, po- I don't a power think, perspective? I, I still think I still think he clears twenty five easily. I'm fit like I'm okay. trying to think of I'm I'm trying to think of like guys that won't clear 25 with a dead in baseball and okay like i feel i like the the question marks for me in the first round for power are like will acuna get his power back will trey turner can trey turner clear 2025 again uh yeah you know can, can bichette repeat his second half and get back to being a an, a you know a year-round monster mm-hmm. but uh yeah i mean i i don't Every time I wind up at the wheel, whether it's first pick or last pick, I always start the draft going, this is awesome. I only have to pay attention like half as much as the rest of the guys. And then I am, I'm just angry for the rest of the draft as I watch all these players I want get taken in between my picks because <laughs> they're so far apart. Yeah, it is. 
it, it is it is a real pain being at the end of a, end of a round like that. Being on the wheel, I don't enjoy particularly because it feels like I'm waiting forever. Even though I do get to make the two consecutive picks, it just I feel like, I always feel like I'm reaching. I just I know, I just I know that's myself. probably like a fallacy that's like just making that makes me think that when I'm at the end of a round like that, it just feels like I have to reach for someone so much farther than I actually want to. Yeah, I mean, we're we're going to we're we're, we're going to have to post this draft board so you guys can see uh, what we're talking about. But yeah, it, yeah. I mean, you 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 can see you can see the spots where you know people reached. Yeah, exactly. And uh, okay, so we 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 did touch on the top of this. Obviously, that is, that is in our realm. We're here to talk about the deep league no, stuff. So no, let's let's yeah. go to let's go to round seventeen. Let's start there with you. So you took in the seventeenth, uh, Lars Newbar. Guys. And ladies, you are going to be so sick of me talking about Lars Nupar this offseason. I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually kind of upset because he is uh, already trending towards being out of our range. Uh, I, I think we, it was, he was at like 226 or 227 when we looked. Something like that, yeah. I'm just going I'm just, I'm, I'm just to make a, a rule that I'm allowed to talk about him no matter where his ADP or, or roster ship numbers are. Uh, because I'm, I'm you, so. You, in... you didn't ask me for permission. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't consult. We didn't consult each other over this. A executive decision. That's 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 my that's the one that's my one uh, demand after doing a month of solo episodes. Okay, you know what? That's fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, I love uh, Lars Newbar this coming year because his plate discipline, his combination of plate discipline and tools are just so rare. Like. I, I would bet that if you were to look at his like baseball savant page, pitcher list page, whatever, you'd be shocked at the profile because he I like I didn't or at least I didn't think of him as this tooled up player because like when whenever whenever someone has like wild plate discipline, I just never think of them as like particularly toolsy. I I think that's just a I have it in my head that patient players aren't like super athletic, but uh, Nupar does it all. He's fast. He's strong. He puts the bat on the ball. He does. He does everything. And his plate discipline was elite. Like there, there was a period where he went down to the minors for like a day or two, and from that point forward, when he came back to the majors, he was like just short of Juan Soto for having the best plate discipline in baseball. Now, Lane Thomas did this in 2021. So maybe maybe Lars Newbar is just a trap that I'm falling for again because I loved Lane Thomas coming into uh, 2022. But uh, I I'm a sucker I'm a sucker for good plate discipline. Uh, I I'm and I'm just all going to be all over Newbar this off season. Love that. Um, what what does the outfield situation look like in? St. Louis, obviously, like with the DH, there's more flexibility. What is the outfield situation in St. Louis right now? Is he challenged at all? Man, I wish I loved anything like St. Louis loves trading away outfielders. Right. Like, just think about the last few years, like who they've gotten rid of. They've gotten rid of Arozarena. They've gotten rid of Bader. They've gotten rid of others that I'm forgetting at the moment. I know there's more. Are you, are you, can you think of any that I'm forgetting? I know there's at least like one or two more prominent ones. There's oh god, did they trade away uh, Adelise Garcia? Was he mm. was he a Cardinal at one point? Am I crazy? There's someone like that, like someone who who was like oh god, I'm forgetting. But I digress. 
they've they've traded away a bunch of outfield talent and they but the the wild thing about the cardinals is they still have a, a crowded team because they they've done a pretty good job of developing uh bats lately and you know with arenado re-upping they're going to have a they're going they're going to have a tough time finding room for all their bats but i do think newbar has more than earned his spot out there uh, another guy that I'm really into this offseason is Juan Yepes, and I think he's going to have a tougher time getting plate appearances because, you know, he's just he's not the defender in the outfield that a lot of their other outfielders are. So he's, you know, kind of lo- stuck in a in a corner outfield slash DH rotation. True. Yeah. So uh, I just looked it up, and yes, uh, I don't know if he was traded, but Adelise Garcia was a St. Louis Cardinal at one point. It's unreal. Yeah, they've had a lot of very, very, very good outfield talent run through that organization and then find success elsewhere. Uh, super rad. Um, sometimes the uh, the St. Louis Cardinal Devil Magic has to uh, go elsewhere to flourish, you know? It's, the, you know, the, the Devil Magic does not stop working once when they leave, the, uh, when they leave St. Louis. That's all it is. Yes, it does. Uh, so... After that pick, you had to wait a while because that was like the that was your turn. Before that, you picked Gregory Soto mm-hmm. as one of your closers, or maybe your only closer. No, I, I second closer. I I reached very far. I, I apparently I reached very hard for uh, Emmanuel Classe because after I took Emmanuel Classe in the fifth, there was not a single closer taken for another what what is that twenty four twenty like twenty six picks. Well, that's the thing. You if you wouldn't have taken him, then someone else would have immediately after you, especially with yeah. Rick Graham. Uh, yeah, I'm sure directly behind you. I'm sure that Rick would have loved to have Emmanuel Classe. Um, yeah, but also I, I Rick's actually... really good. Rick's really good at finding value. Obviously, as our resident relief pitch relief pitching expert, uh, Rick would be able to find value late in the draft, which he did. I actually, uh, I regret that Soto pick because there are a lot of fantastic late round mm-hmm. reliever options this year. And Soto, while uh, he, he's got some job security, at least for now, he is underwhelming compared to a lot of incumbent closers. Yes. Um, it isn't the worst pick, though. Like, he is, in terms of job security... Great. Gregory Soto is one of the only things that you and I did right in TGFBI this year. We Honestly, both drafted him. Yeah, I also had him in one of my auto <laughs> new leagues, so that was that was very uh, helpful. Yeah, folks at home, you're you're talking to the uh, 427th and uh, 326th place finishers in TGFBI. Maybe you should have listened to us. I don't know. Uh, I have an excuse, which is that you I do. was getting a BBL done. <laughs> my, What's my yours? That I'm really good in every league except for TGFBI somehow. Somehow, some way. Um, <laughs> I mean, you, you you were good in the leagues that honestly truly matter, which is the money leagues, right? Mm-hmm. TGFBI, also important for the clout, but same time. You, you made off like a bandit in your home leagues this year again, but... Um, I'm at TGFBI at this point is me just really trying to see exactly how badly I can do while trying my best. Mm. Yes. Someday, Shubzi. I think you're. I think you're going to finish like top two fifty this year, this coming year. Oh man, big ask. One, 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 one can only dream. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, so what? You had to wait until what was it? You had to wait another twenty. I can't do math. Twenty two picks. Sure. Before your next 23. one, right? Something like that. Uh, so in the 18th round, you ended up taking Trevor Rogers of the Marlins. Uh, I like 
this one a lot personally as a as a reclamation project is that kind of where you're at pretty much uh if you look after trevor rogers like the 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 starting pitchers that went after him Mm -hmm. were other options that i was thinking of like ronzi Contreras, tyler anderson and I could have gone. To, uh, you like Tyler Anderson. We're going to talk about Tyler Anderson. Oh, I love Tyler. I love Tyler Anderson. Spoilers. Mostly just because so, I have things in my head about what's going to happen with him this offseason. But yeah, right. So if if I was confident that Tyler Anderson would be a Dodger again in 2023, I would have gone Tyler Anderson here. But since I don't know where Tyler Anderson is going to end up, and I, I think if he winds up on a a team with like bad pitching infrastructure in place, that he could crater. But uh, I, I wound up going with Trevor Rogers, uh, and I do think that Trevor Rogers is one of the higher upside bounce back picks available. And getting him in the 18th, where oh god, where I, I I shouldn't ask questions like this when we don't have the information readily available. But do you remember like vaguely where Trevor Rogers was going last year? Uh, I can look uh, it up real quick. Yeah, it was it was very high. It, it was much 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 higher than uh, the 18th round. And if he can recoup any of that value he becomes like a a fantastic value pick at 18 and if he recoups that value then it winds up being an 18th round pick that you roster all year long which is not super common as you're going to see from some of the uh the other later picks here there's there's going to be a lot of churn from these uh 18 and later rounds so uh, i mean i what when did the season start the, the baseball season or early uh early april beginning of april I'm gonna go four fifteen. yeah but that also works submit let's see uh sorry i'm still looking for oh it's taking yeah. a while i'm just i'm i'm eyeballing it and i i think trevor rogers has better upside than every pitcher taken after him on this board with the possible exception of rowancy Contreras. so where is he going now approximately uh, ADP wise, in general. Ah, uh, yes. Trevor Rogers is going two oh three. Two oh three. So last year at this, or not at this time, but just last year in general, throughout the entire draft season, essentially from the end of the twenty twenty one season until the start of the twenty twenty two season, average draft pick for Trevor Rogers ninety three. Yeah, he went eighty sixth in my TGFBI draft last year. So. You figure if he can be even a semblance of his, his former self, and he showed signs of that in September. He, he did he did end with a thud in his last start, but after coming off the IL again, he was pretty impressive for a couple starts, uh, you know, before that thud. So I, you know, in the in the 18th and later, you're kind of throwing darts, and this is one of my favorite dart throws this year. I dig that. Okay, real quick as a fun little exercise, last year. Do you want to hear three pitchers that were taken like pretty much directly after him in drafts? He was, he was Corbin. Corbin, not there. No. Last year, not this year. Hmm. Pitchers that were yeah, taken who? after him. Uh, so you have, or sorry, I'll, I'll do the four starting pitchers that were taken after uh, Trevor Rogers, uh, according to last year's ADP. So you have Alec Manoa directly behind him. I, I was just going to say him. Much better year. You Darvish. Much pretty, better. Pretty good year. Uh, and then these two make me laugh very, very hard. 
uh, Shane McClanahan and Carlos Rodon. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that could. Yeah, you had you had an eighty percent chance of of making a great pick there, and a twenty percent chance of woof. Yeah, uh, I I might have I I would probably have been the woof there because I was a big Trevor Rogers fan coming into the year. I was a massive Carlos Rodon fan. I I was fully expecting him to be just as good as he was. I was kind of like like I, I didn't really I didn't really care about the injury risk with him. I just knew that the upside was so high, and I'm mm-hmm. glad that. I did buy into him. The sad part is I just really didn't get that many shares because I was always in drafts with someone who would reach higher than I was going to, which kind of stinks. But I am begging the Mets to take the money that they would have offered Jake DeGrom and sign Rodon instead. They're not going to do it. There's no way they're going to do it. Please, Uncle Steve. Steve, I know you don't listen to this podcast, but for some reason you do. No. Um, Just do it for Schwebzy. Please just do it for him. Uh, I'm so sad all the time. Please. It's so fun going back and looking at ADPs from the previous year to see how many insane values there were out there. just available, yeah. man. Oh, anyways. And I S- took none of them. Oh, rip. I mean, you've always <laughs> got, Hey, you've always got this year. There's always this yeah. year. There's always, uh, there's always next year. Always. Yeah. All right. Uh, so you took another picture with your next pick after Trevor Rogers. Uh, this was on the turn. So it was the very next pick you took. Pete Fairbanks, which I, 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 I like this a lot. I am not going to talk about this that much because uh, we, I'm going to get a little bit in depth into Peter Fairbanks in a little bit. That's Spoiler. fair. That's fair. Uh, I like that one a lot, though. That's all I'm really going to say on that one. I think that's a really, really good pick. Uh, the next one kind of made me scratch my head a little bit. I got to be honest. Uh, Isak Paredes. Well, this is the 20th round of a standard league. Yes. In a standard league, the waiver wire is flooded with talent always. True. Isaac, Isaac Paredes had stretches last year where he was among the best power hitters in baseball. Uh, this, this might be me falling for another Bobby Dalbeck situation. Uh, but Paredes has... His ADP is all over the place right now. He's been picked as early as 217, as late as 431. After moving... From the Tigers to the Rays, Paredes started hunting fastballs in specific locations and profited immensely. He hit a bunch of dingers. I mentioned earlier that I am not expecting the league home run trend to reverse. I'm expecting power to still be at a premium. If I can get 25 to 30 home runs out of my 20th round pick, I'm feeling pretty good. This could just be like, uh, you know, Patrick Wisdom Redux. Like it could be someone who's going to hit you 30 home runs, even if, you know, the, the batting average is lacking. And coming up, he was known as a bat to ball guy more than he was a big power guy. Like there's a chance for a massive breakout here. I won't call it a good chance, but I was gunning for power specifically. And again, lo- looking at who was taken after Paredes. There's only a couple of guys that I I would maybe have taken over Paredes if I was hunting for power, and I you know I'm not mad about this. I'm uh, you know none of those guys maybe go. Oh, I wish I took that. It's just you know guys I could maybe talk myself into. And yeah, looking at some of the some of the uh, names because like I think I feel like the back end of the draft, especially at a, in a pitcher list mock draft, is always going to be like super duper pitcher heavy, right? Dude, um, I hate I hate drafting with pitcherless people. 
When it comes to pitching so, specifically, they're too damn smart. I, I mean, it fits. Like, name checks out. Username checks out. But it's, yeah. I mean, there's really not a lot here that makes me blink it, like, necessarily. I, it's not so much just the fact that you took Isak Paredes that makes me, like, think, like, I don't know. It just feels like, I feel like there are better lottery tickets down here that you can grab. But I do understand taking, like, just someone that you feel like you can kind of, like, churn and just like You're turn rolling. and burn with with the bottom of your roster because it's it's you're just gonna be doing that throughout the season in most cases anyways. Well, I've got I've got a couple questions for you, Jordan. Yes. Where 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 do you think roughly uh, Paredes rated uh, defensively for outs above average? Uh, uh, I don't. 90th percentile. Why would I? Why would I? Why would I need to know that? 90th. Because in Tampa Bay, defense keeps you on the field. Yeah, do you true. do you know Isaac Paredes also had a 90th percentile whiff percentage? Doesn't swing and miss a lot. 95th percentile chase rate. So as a result, 88th percentile walk rate, 73rd percentile K rate. Really good play discipline. Insert uh, money ball. He gets on base. He gets meme here. On base. Yes. Uh he pulled the ball more this year. He uh, he actually had a low line drive rate. So I mean, if that comes up, then we could actually see a a bit of a batting average spike there. I I like him as a, as a power heavy lottery ticket. Okay. Do I, can do I it. think it's do I think it's likely? No. But you know, if it was likely, he wouldn't be a twentieth round pick. True. Yeah, I'm looking at the rest here. Ooh, there's a pick further up that I'm going to ask you about once we get done with this that I'm actually very okay. curious about. But anyways, I think it's mostly, you probably took this person mostly just because you wanted to talk about them, which I think is funny. Um, but we'll circle back to that one. It's an, it's an earlier pick, obviously. But uh, so uh, you, I know. You, you were on the turn here. You took Isak Paredes with the tw- your 20th round pick, your 21st round pick. Right after that, you took Luis Renjifo. I, I'm a I'm a convert. I, there was a point in this. I, I mean, I've told this story how many times on this podcast? At oh this god, point. yeah. Like one one of our community members told me about Renhifo and how he was hitting in a prime lineup spot. I was like, Renhifo? Why would I want to talk about him? And mm-hmm. I I was I was stupid. I was an idiot. I should I should have uh uh you know paid more attention because basically from that point forward, uh when I when I realized that I I was a dummy, he was amazing for the rest of the year. He offers multi-position eligibility, which, you know, it, it, we all love. Yes. And <laughs> newsflash, the Angels are not and are never very good. So he is a young player with promise who can play multiple positions and play, you know, and, and hit pretty well. There is no reason that he shouldn't, you know, outside of injury, that he shouldn't put up, you know, 600 plus plate appearances next year. Oh, for sure. Um. And obviously, if he's hitting in a prime lineup spot, he has some fairly talented batsmen around him. Yeah. Just like some okay people. Um, I actually uh, want to... What, what I want to look at is uh, where he hit in the lineup every day because it was like it was prime lineup spots pretty regularly from like the All-Star break forward. Uh, here, I, got, I have it here. Uh he hit he had 24 games out of the leadoff spot he had 30 games hitting third 20 games hitting fourth 22 games hitting fifth 11 hitting sixth he was he's 
always in a good lineup spot because hitting in those spots in the Angels lineup means he's always around Trout and Otani. Yeah, and Jared Walsh when he's actually good. And Taylor Ward. Yeah. Remember when, remember when Jared Walsh had just like an absurd start? I've never, been a bit, I've never been a big Walsh guy. I'm, I know. Ugh. I don't get it. I don't get him. But anyways, that I, I do agree, though. I think that uh, I, I actually, I mean, just this is like very much being nitpicky, but I like Rentkifo more than I like uh, Isak Paredes. They're, uh, they're very different players. Yeah. Uh, I think just like preference wise, I prefer Renhifo mostly just due to the fact that I feel like he's going to be in a better lineup spot, kind of like you said. I think that's most of what it is for me. Uh, profile aside. Um, yeah, no, as as a player, I like Renhifo more, 100%. But yeah. for home runs, give me Paredes. Fair enough. All right. Uh, and then let's go to your last two picks here. Uh, oh my gosh, we're almost at an hour. We feel gonna go gonna go a bit long, guys. I thought I thought that we were gonna be able to get through most of the stuff in like forty five minutes, but just we, like we every, do this every time. I feel like we haven't lost a step in a weird way. I guess we've done enough of these at this point that it's kind of like riding a bike, though. It's funny because I I I got back on the basketball court lately, and I feel like I've lost all my steps at physically. But I guess in my old age, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the, the mind is as sharp as ever. Mind like a steel trap. <laughs> it hurts me. That's the rustiest steel trap you've ever seen. <laughs> it was not stainless steel, as it turns out. Um, <laughs> but uh, with your last two picks, you double tap pitchers here. So let's kind of, I mean, we can kind of lump these together. I actually, would, I actually would be curious to see which one of these you like more just in general for 2023. So you took Bailey Ober and Ranger Suarez. Yes. Um, honestly, o- Ober is a player that I have not ever really looked into that much i'm, I'm not gonna lie this was purely me looking at the the, the pitchers who were left mm-hmm. and going like yeah i think i like him the best ah yeah you'll do because <laughs> i mean nine relief pitchers went in the last two rounds it was almost like kickers in a fantasy football draft i'm sorry i mentioned fantasy football on a pitcherless podcast nick is nick is gonna have my head or can't we're, um, we're, we're gonna get we're gonna get defunded <laughs> uh, but the it, it a, a lot of people waited on relief pitchers in, in this draft, which you know is, is one of those things that you can't really predict, so it's hard to react to it because once you see it happening, it's already happened. Good analysis there, but uh, yeah. So <laughs> I I didn't need relievers at this point, so I I took uh you know everyone had already filled up their starting staffs, which meant the uh, starting pitchers were pretty thin pickings, and I I went over who. He, you know, he's had plenty of really good stretches already in his young career. Yeah. He's interesting. The Twins continue to do interesting things with their pitching staff. Their their pitching development seems to be on the upswing. You know, he he's one of those guys that, like, that this could go either way. Like, I... It, because there were indicators that he's good, and there were indicators that he's lucky. So which of those things is going to win out? I don't know. But again, this is this is a 22nd round dart throw. Uh, which is the opposite of my 23rd round pick, Ranger Suarez. I very definitively like more than Bailey Ober. I, I think Suarez is just a, a very, very safe arm. He's, abs- is, he's a glue guy. 
in he's any so rotation. Crom- he's so cromulent. He's aggressively cromulent. I mean, the, the Phillies continue to go to him in big situations in the playoffs and World Series. Like, they, they like him. They trust him. Yeah. Incredibly safe. I think also aggressively cromulent could be just, like, a tagline for this podcast. That we we could just we we've been talking about uh, like rebranding like maybe the uh, the logo and the theme song maybe we could just re rebrand the whole thing we are we're now aggressively cromulent you guys that's gonna be the uh, it sounds like you're announcing a band about to play like Scott Pilgrim's guy we yeah, are aggressively exactly cromulent <laughs> one two three five anyways um you yeah. didn't do your musical number shut up. <laughs> I forgot until just now. Uh, you, I've been called you, out. You announced that you were going to do a musical number. So can I be honest? It. I started writing it, and I realized it's going to be way more involved than I expected it to be. So uh, and of is, course, is, is, of course, it's a parody of a Broadway musical. Was it going to with the musical that we talked about that you pointed out? Actually, to me? you know what? I'm not going to tell you. Oh, okay. So it's not that one. Okay. I'm not going to tell you. I'm. Not, I, I, w- I was thinking about telling you what musical it was going to be from, but I am not going to tell you. Um. But yes, I will. My, I will be doing the. I will. Be, I will be doing the thing, but I need to one. Finish writing it. Two. I want to like do a pretty good job at performing it, so I might actually record it and then just play it at the beginning of an episode. Ooh, just replace the uh, theme music. Essentially, yes. Um, and then three, I need to make sure my neighbors are really cool with me being loud because <laughs> I live in. A, I just moved into a new apartment building not that long ago, and I want to make sure that I stay in my neighbors' good graces. Uh, so there's that too. But so I, but yes, folks, I I've heard I've heard Jordan doing a uh, karaoke, Mr. Brightside. You you're you're in for a treat. Oh yeah, I remember that video now. Wow. Thank you, Josh Berry, for that wonderful edit that you did of that video, too. I appreciate that. Uh, anyways, okay, so the lesson that we want to talk about here is something that we're going to do throughout the preseason. Um, so what we're going to do is basically go by, like, by a 50-pick stretch in ADP, starting with 250 to 299, uh, and then work our way down 300 to 349, 350 to 399, so on and so forth uh, throughout the offseason here. And try to find a player from each of those stretches for each of us that we think is being drafted too low and should get a little bit more love. Uh, Shwabzi, I'm going to have it start with you here. So you mentioned this is someone that you actually took in your pitcher list mock draft. This is Peter Fairbanks. Yeah. So This range, this this like 250 to 299, there are a lot of players I really like in this range. Yeah, and tons. I plan... I, we we had said that we were going to talk a lot about them, but then uh, the podcast went long. So I'm just going to going to stick to the one that I wanted to talk about, which was Peter Fairbanks. Yes. And like I said, ton of guys to like in this range. But if I have to pick just one, I'm picking the one that I think can wind up top three at his posi- position, like comfortably. And that I, I love Peter Fairbanks. He was one of my first pitcher list memes because I took the uh, I took the movie poster for Don't Blink and photoshopped peter fairbanks uh his face on it i forgot you uh, did that <laughs> he where he is affectionately known in the pitcher list discord as peter stairbanks uh it, it, he never blinks it's scary it's eerie uh if like i i don't i think he might rack up more strikeouts than blinks this year honestly but uh 
his player page like i you can probably assume by how effusive i am that his player pages look good like his pitcherless player page his baseball savant player page lots of red right it is so red you guys so red like this is an audio medium and i know i'm describing a a, a visual thing but like you can hear his player page and it's the sound of a 99 mile an hour average fastball hitting a catcher's mitt while a batter futilely waves at it. Not everyone has caught onto the fact yet that he's one of the very nastiest pitchers in the league. Uh, actually, uh, Pitching Ninja, Rob Friedman, has been talking a lot about Friedman lately and he's been putting him into some like nasty pitcher polls and Fairbanks gets no love because like the world hasn't caught on yet. But, you know, the sharp people have. The only thing stopping Fairbanks from being more of a surefire thing is, like like a lot of very nasty pitchers, is injuries. And like a lot of Tampa Bay pitchers, is the fact that they're Tampa Bay pitchers. Uh, the the Rays just simply cannot and will not settle on one closer. If If I knew that Peter Fairbanks was going to get 30 saves next year, I would say that he was going to be a top two reliever, like, comfortably but yeah you know we have we have no idea what his role is going to be so that we have no like the what yeah god the the, the rays just have any number of pitchers that could wind up being part of a, a closer committee but i have a feeling that i will wind up with a lot of shares of peter fairbanks this year as i i bank on the talent winning out you fair bank on it yeah nailed it uh so also just fun thing about fairbanks so he came back in mid-July of last year uh, from injury. And yep. first two outings, he gave up one run and then two runs. And then after that, it was, what was it? It was a total of 22 outings. Didn't get 22 straight scoreless appearances, 36 strikeouts over 22 innings, and only walked three batters during that time too. So just like, I mean, it really, really like an impeccable season after he came back, after those first two kind of like somewhat rough outings. Um, yep. It's it's disgusting. He almost struck out fifteen per nine during that time yeah. too. Like it was gross. Uh, he's very yeah, very good. Yeah, so but... I love the value that you got here. Uh, this was mm-hmm. in the nineteenth round. You took him in this mock draft, and I thought that was disgusting. Um, yeah, he had, he had a couple of bad outings, and he said, "I will simply not do that again." Yeah, and then he what he he had, he had eight saves from mm-hmm. basically like the end of it was like the end of July to the end of the season. Uh, yeah, he had a stretch of four in a row at one point. I think even just like. If you could, if you, if you could say that Peter Fairbanks gave you like twenty saves, yeah, I would, I would be drafting him in in the two hundreds in a heart in, in the like late one hundreds in a heartbeat. Yeah, easily maybe uh, early hundreds. I don't think it's absurd to think that he accrues that many if he stays healthy for the full season either. Yeah, I, it's just it's one of those things. It's the Rays are gonna ray like they have Jason Adam who put up a one five six ERA last year. Yep, like who's also gonna be competing for saves. And I uh, got is Nick Anderson coming back? I don't know. What about Kittredge? They just have a like just a list of like impressive arms. Would you say it's a pitcher list? Ah, once oh, again, Kit- Kit- Kittredge had his uh, Tommy John in June, so he will not be back next no, year. But the, the the Rays are just going to have a bunch of sub two ERA arms, and we just have to deal with that. True. Yeah. Um, I don't think if there's anything else I want to say about. Uh, Fairbanks, but that's pretty much it. Like, I mean, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Um, oh, Fire Fire Eisen's gonna be back. Oh, I love JP Fire Eisen. I know. So do I. Oh, he was such a good bullpen. 
All right. Yeah. Enough about the Rays. We know that they're amazing and great. Uh, I want to talk about the one person here uh, from this range that I thought was being drafted too low. And I think it does bank a little bit on who he ends up signing with because he is a free agent right now. But I really think that Tyler Anderson very likely ends up back with the Dodgers. I don't see, I don't see a path forward in which the Dodgers aren't willing to bring back a guy who threw 180 really, really, really strong innings for them. Uh, even if his price is going to be increased after the year that he had. And I mean, the ERA and the whip are both obviously exceptionally at a flat one whip. And then like an ERA barely over two, um, his four war as a pitcher was tied for 16th, um, among starting pitchers. And it, I know this isn't like a super perfect parallel to draw from basically like last year to now like draft season for this coming season. Um, the Rasball player Raider had him as the 20th best starting pitcher in 2022. If you take away relievers and starting pitchers that are coming back from injury from like the 12 drafts that have happened so far in NFBC, he's going as the 78th starting pitcher off the board. That is too low. Th- that's, that's, uh, that, that's us reinventing the wheel and trying way too hard, I feel like. I mean, I, I still think he's, even if he isn't what he was last year, like a 15-win pitcher who's going to be a four-war guy and giving you exceptionally good like whip he's definitely not going to be the 78th best starting pitcher he's going to clear that expectation so i i I really don't understand why he is going where he is i guess it's mostly just because of the uncertainty with free agency but again i don't see him signing anywhere else outside of la and if he signs there he's going to probably be a double digit win guy once again so uh, i'm happy to take tyler anderson at that price Hear me out. What's up? We've cu- we've currently in the Dodgers rotation got Julio Urias, Tony Gonsolin, Dustin May penciled in one through three. Yes. Who's more likely to come back, Kershaw or Tyler Anderson? Both. <laughs> you, you think? That, I mean, they they could get both and spend like you know thirty five million between the two of them. They could. I don't think they would necessarily be too mad at that. Maybe, maybe. I don't. Th- uh, I, I I mean. If if there's anyone that's not going to be afraid, or that that's going to be on a yeah, not be afraid to spend money, it's going to be the Dodgers, right? It's true, but I right. I think the more the more likely scenario is that they have their starting core of Kershaw, Urias, Gonsolin, May, and then they let the kids battle it out for the fifth spot: Pepio, Michael Grove, and uh, Bobby Miller, and then they just do another reclamation project like they do every year, like Tyler Anderson. Instead of paying fifteen million dollars for Tyler Anderson, that's my thinking on it. Uh, there, you know, the odds are just as good that they do exactly what you said. But I can understand the thought process that has him being drafted this low because if Tyler Anderson winds up on like I, I don't know the Pirates, like I, I no longer care about Tyler Anderson. I don't think he would. I don't. I, well, that's the thing too is I don't think a team like the Pirates would sign Tyler Anderson because they don't have the money to pay him, or they don't. Well, they do, but they don't want to spend it. I should say. That's fair. Um, I think, I think, oh gosh, I think there's a chance. I, you talked about it before the podcast. You had mentioned it while we were recording tonight, but you also said someone like the Jays could maybe sign him, yeah. which I don't think is necessarily great uh, for him specifically. I don't think it's a great fit. I think he is like the most success that he will see is if he stays with the Dodgers organization. Um, but like, it, like if he wound up in like the, a- the AL East in general, I'd be pretty out on him. I mean that yeah it's one of the most just oh god what is the, the word thing. um 
unfriendly pitcher in, uh, yeah in un- unfriendly i was trying to think of a more aggressive word for it maybe if he was a ray he'd be fine i could see that yeah but yeah i like there's just i don't know but but then at the same time if he wound up in like either central he'd probably be fine other you know as long as he wasn't a like a pirate i don't know like there but th- that's the thing there's so many different ways this could go and like yeah. the 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 narrative that fantasy analysts are going to create for him is going to change so drastically depending on what team he winds up with. So it, it, it seems like a lot of people are just opting out of that whole, you know, multiverse of Tyler Anderson possibilities and they're just not drafting him. Would you rather have, would you rather have Ross Stripling or Tyler Anderson next year? Anderson. Not by a lot. I love for Ross Stripling this year. Um, what if they, if they were both Blue Jays, would you rather have Stripling or Tyler Anderson? Um, I would I would probably take Tyler Anderson. Where where is Stripling being drafted? Uh, I I think around the same area. Is it? At, at least that's that's how it was in uh, our our pitcherless mock draft. Stripling and Anderson went uh like two rounds apart. Uh, Stripling went two rounds earlier than Anderson in the pitcher list draft. So he went. I don't know when he went exactly because I deleted most of the list, uh, or everything after Anderson. But he did go after Anderson in the list that I pulled. Um, for pitchers this year, um, in the twelve drafts that have happened so far in NFPC. So he is going. So Anderson is going before Stripling, which I think is correct. Obviously, that could change depending on where Tyler Anderson ends up signing. But, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's so much speculation that we could do on this, but we can save that's, that. We can the save fun that thing for... about fantasy baseball. Uh... Like, it, it, yeah, it's November 4th. Who cares? We can talk about baseball for hours still. We, we are talking about the 2023 fantasy season, and the World Series is still going on. That is wild to me. Uh, by the way, uh, right next to Ross Stripling is Dre Jameson. I'm taking Dre Jameson there 100 times out of 100. I love Dre Jameson for this year. Just making sure that he can get an extra called shot in there at the end of the episode. I see you. I see you. I dig it. Plant that flag. <laughs> I got you. Your boy Garrett Mitchell's in the same area. <sighs> He's not my boy. I, don't get me wrong. I want, I want Garrett Mitchell to be very good. Don't get me wrong. He's a really good defensive center fielder, too. Um... I have concerns about a guy who strikes out like nearly 40%. He, he in some ways and in bad ways reminds me of like Keston Hira with like the high strikeout rates. Ooh. Yeah, except he has other skills. He de- I mean, Hira, I think Hira, if he hadn't switched to playing infield, because he is naturally an outfielder, he played that when he was in college, I believe. Yeah, but like, would have been fine. Hira, if Hira is not hitting, he has no skills. If Mitchell's not hitting, he has several skills. Still. So he's still playing good defense and running base as well. Yes, um, that's true. <sighs> All right. Anyways, <laughs> that's enough for our first episode. Back. We 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 have been here. What? How long did we go? I can go another hour. Are you sure you want to wrap? I am done. I'm tapped out, man. I'm I'm not done making you. I'm not done making you feel guilty yet. I did four episodes alone, and you can't give me another hour. 
That's it for our first episode back for In the Deep for the uh, 2023 season while we're still in the 2022 season. Thanks for letting us shake the rust off. Well, at least me. Shwebzy's still pretty fresh, I feel like. Um, Shwebzy, we'll be back in, what, two weeks? Two weeks. With another episode? With a, with a special guest. <gasps> oh, you're right. We do have a special guest on that episode. I'm very excited for that. Uh, but yes, we'll be back then. In the meantime, if you want to hear more from either of us, you can feel free to follow both of us on Twitter. You can follow Schwebzy at Schwebzy. That's S-H-W-E-B-S-I. You can also follow myself at Bunt Singles, spelled how it sounds. Uh, you can also follow our shared podcast account on Twitter at In the DPL. And with that, we'll check you out next time. Schwebzy, send them out. Bye, friends. Yeehaw. I did it. I did the I did the southern thing. You're welcome. All right, and we're hitting stop. It's been a while while since I've been holding my head up high. What's good, y'all? Welcome to End the Deep, a deep league focused fantasy baseball podcast. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, sorry. Was I? Oh, there was a bit we were supposed to do. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. My bad. Anyways, uh, I'm not here. Pretend I'm not here.